Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Some of you have been saying that or some version of that. I use like low church words, right? (laughs) Because we're low church people at 11 o'clock, right? We save the benses and the quicks and all that for over there. I got to wear a robe, right? That vocabulary goes out of when I take the robe off. Anyway, some of us have been saying that our entire lives, right? And it's a lot of stuff, right? That is a lot of words, like, wow. Have you ever thought about all of those statements? Like since sixth grade confirmation, have you thought about them? Right? If you're lost and you're like, what is this man talking about? (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to catch you up. So we are in a sermon series that just started last week called We Believe in Love. And what we are looking at is the historic Apostles' Creed of which those statements about Jesus come from. The Apostles' Creed is one of the historic creeds or sayings, uh, belief statements that has marked and carried the Christian faith through thousands of years. And what we're looking at is how this creed and the beliefs held within it lead us to live lives that are deeply rooted in love towards God and love towards the world. And so we have grounded this entire series in these words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He says this to them, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have faith so much as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And the point of all of this is that if we believe all of the right things, but those beliefs don't translate to love, it really doesn't matter. All those things are just rubbish. We're just noisy gongs, clanging cymbals, not 
persons of positive consequence in this world. And that's because if we don't love, then we aren't living into the purpose that God truly created us for. And so last week, we started off by evaluating what, what, what does it actually mean to say that God created heaven and earth? And what we found was that God created out of love for the purpose of us loving the rest of God's creation the way that God loves it. And so today we are moving on to the next and longest statement of the Apostles' Creed. Our beliefs about Jesus. This is what theologians, people who write books that are far too thick for you or I to have any time to read, call Christology. And it's what we believe about Jesus. Because what we believe about Jesus is what really sets the church, Christians, apart from, well, the rest of the world. Like this part of the Christian faith, it's non-negotiable. It's just that important. But the thing that's really hard about this, if you think about it, or have been thinking about it since sixth grade, is that at least two, if not three, of these statements are wildly preposterous. Right? Virgin birth, come on now. Rising from the dead, been to a lot of funerals, never seen that before. And then ascending into heaven, like, okay, all very unnatural things, which is what makes them distinct, which is what makes being a follower of Jesus distinct. See, out of all of the religions that this world has to offer us, except for maybe like some cults and Scientology, we Christians believe the craziest things, okay? Let's just name that here and now. We believe in crazy things. Say it with me. We believe in crazy things. See, don't you feel better? Look, we're all in this together. Don't worry, you're not the only one. We believe in things that if we said that they happened to any other human being at any point in time in history, especially, I don't know, now, we'd be getting a special visit at our front door from like social services, inviting us to go on a nice long vacation to the happy place, right? <laughs> But here's the really cool thing about believing, at the very least, one of these crazy ideas. Because if you believe that God raised a dead man from the grave, then I got news for you, friends. You can believe anything. And I don't mean that you're gullible or susceptible to all kinds of crazy lies or conspiracy theories here. I'm saying that if you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, then you can believe that he went straight from earth to heaven. If you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can believe that he was born to a virgin teenager. If you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ then you can believe that he will come again to restore righteousness and justice to this world forever. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you can believe that God can and will do anything. 
You can believe that your Bible is the inspired word of God, and you can believe that all of the crazy things that it says happened, happened. But here's the deal. You don't have to be all the way there today. Be where you are. I'll meet you there. We'll meet you there. Because these aren't easy things for everyone to believe right at the beginning. Just believe that we believe. And that might get you through. So I've wandered off a little bit here, but that was all really important to set us up for the real thing that we are talking about today, okay? So when the church was in its infant stages, just a few years old, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff written down and circulating about what it meant to follow Jesus, which is honestly kind of okay because there weren't a whole lot of people that could have read it anyway. But there were these people who traveled around passing the story of Jesus and the truth about God to people face-to-face using oral tradition. And these people were called apostles. They were people who had firsthand experience with the man that God had rose from the dead, Jesus. So one of those apostles was a man named Paul, who, by the way, had the rudest experience with Jesus after he rose from the grave. And Paul wrote a letter to a church in a place called Philippi, which was actually a pretty well-functioning first church society, which most weren't and still aren't. But Paul wrote to them to encourage them to display love to one another in all that they do. And so these are his words from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. He says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. So Paul's words about Jesus here are essentially the framework for what the Apostles' Creed says about Jesus, with some added information in there that allows us to truly understand what the point of all of these things that we believe about Jesus mean about who Jesus was and how we're called to live. See, Paul starts at the very beginning of things, that Jesus was in the form of God. If you open your Bible and read the Gospel of John, John will tell you that at the very beginning, Jesus was there, that actually everything that was created was created through Jesus, for Jesus. So what Paul is saying here is that this is who we're dealing with, the creator of all things all-powerful, eternally existing, and that this person 
emptied himself of all of that distinguished reality in order to come and take on the form of a human. That Jesus didn't see his God status as something to use for personal gain. And what I think of is like, this means that Jesus could do anything, right? Jesus could have come to earth like Thor or like any God of antiquity and with his power on full display, just using that to subdue earth and all people, imposing his will upon it. But Jesus showed up as a baby, like the most humble, the most needy, most dependent of beings on earth. And then Jesus grew up to be a man who really just lived the life of a servant, who honestly lived life on the margins of society. All the while just maintaining obedience to the will of God, even maintaining obedience to the human forces that crucified And all of that was done out of Jesus' love for the world. And the result of that love for the world is that God has given Jesus authority over all things. See, Paul makes this point to his audience for a reason. He wants them to live a certain type of way. And so before he goes into that lovely discourse on the identity of Jesus, this is how he begins. I'm doing like a Quentin Tarantino thing of the scripture, right? So back at verse one, he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, then make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. See, the whole point of telling these people who Jesus is is to give them an example of who they are called to imitate, like a real and tangible vision of the benchmark of love that they're supposed to be seeking and striving after. And then afterwards, he tells them this. This starts in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul is like, listen up, friends. If you are going to live together in community, you're going to have to put in some work. 
because people are not easy. Amen? But if you can figure out how to live together by exhibiting humility and emptying yourselves of selfish ambition and the desire that you all have to be in charge, then you will do well. If you live in a way that functions outside of the typical power structures and relationship structures of this world, you know, the ones that seek to exploit and to destroy, then you will shine like stars. Jesus told his disciples that his followers would be like a city shining on a hill for all to see, a beacon of hope and light to a dark and desperate world. And friends, I believe that we can be that for this world. I believe that we can be that for the city of Fort Pierce, but we can only be that if we accept the call of Jesus to just get along and to love one another. And the good news is, like, this church is pretty good at this already. But the bad news is there's always room for improvement. And so if murmuring and arguing is something that you find yourself doing a lot, the Apostle Paul says, knock it off. It's my favorite thing about the Bible is that, like, I believe it's inspired by God, so I can just blame everything on what other people said. <laughs> God says, knock it off. Because if we can't love ourselves as a community, it makes it really hard for us to love the world around us. Because the world loves to look at our dysfunction at our infighting and at our struggles as a community and say like, if that's how they love one another, I think I'll take my chances out here. And for far too long, the church has simply relied on like strict adherence to a few sentences about Jesus to be the sum total of our identity. And friends, as important as these sentences about Jesus are, they mean nothing if we can't find it in our hearts and in our wills to set our egos aside and just love one another the way that Jesus loved this world. Without love, those words about Jesus, they don't carry much meaning. But with love, with love, imagine the things that we can do. Imagine who we can do. There is so much need in this world. I mean, we are in the middle of what has been called an epidemic of loneliness. The people of this world are desperate for connection to something, to someone outside of themselves. They are desperate for communities that aren't the same as the communities that they see and try to find fulfillment in in this world. They are desperate to know that there are ways of living within the world where diverse people with diverse life experiences and diverse ways of thinking about the world can come together and live together and worship God together without getting at each other's throats over every little thing. 
They are desperate to know that this place called the church is really open to everyone. That this place called the church is willing to come alongside of them and to love them deeply until they can fully embrace this crazy set of beliefs about who Jesus is. They want to see love embodied in the church. And when they see love embodied in the church, they can come to believe that the love of God was embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ will come again. And what a glorious thing it would be if Jesus just walked in here on any given day and said, man, y'all look good. It's like looking in a mirror. You look just like me. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you want us to look like you, to represent you in this world. Show us how to be that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.